everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the Two Horny Ghosts! We're just two horny ghosts climbing the mountain of life. Eating Asian-American stereotypes for breakfast! How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? What's up, what's up? Welcome to season two, episode 15, where we're just That's fucking right. angry. We're so <laughs> angry. Usually you get us like when we're really composed and we're really behaved. But today we're just going to lay it all out there. We're Fuck fucking pissed. <laughs> it's, it's 2020 part two and we are in the middle of it. We made it through most of it, I guess. But it fucking sucks still. <laughs> hey, honestly, hey. Prescott, do you think that this year is worse than last year. Like, let's come do some comparison experiences for a little bit. Okay. I I think this year's definitely better than last year because, like, we're both able to go on, like, little vacay-cays. We're able to, like, move about the cabin. But, I mean, winter is coming, and the Delta variant is here. So who the fuck knows? It's like the mask mandate is back again. You know what I'm saying? And also, like, I have to be real with you. Like, I... From I don't know I don't know if this is just like me brainwa- brainwashing myself from the trauma, yeah. but like <laughs> when I was thinking about my last year in quarantine, I know there were hard days, but for the most part, I was like, oh, everything's quiet, everything is right. nice, and then now even though things are quote unquote normal, I have right. more anxiety than ever. I have more anxiety going back. I have more anxiety thinking about like a normal. It's yeah. still here, but it's also in a way amplified, right? Right. I feel like it depends on where you are, what your occupation is, because, for example, like if you're in in like healthcare or the medical sphere, this year is probably heads and shoulders above last year. Right. Yeah. But like for us, like it was really nice to have this time to regroup and be alone and, you know, deal with our our own issues and really focus inward and all of that stuff. Um, But and so this year it's like opening the floodgates to social interactions has been super stressful. Yeah. And also it doesn't help with the constant like sort of um, stream of news and catastrophes like the fucking ocean was on fire. Like, what the fuck was that? Just casual. <laughs> Most of Oregon was on fire. Like everything's on fire. There's like thunderstorms everywhere. The fucking ocean's on fire. Like, isn't water supposed to like <laughs> take out fire? But um, I'm just saying like every day I wake up, I was just telling this to like, uh, I was at Urban Pet buying a couple food yeah. items for my dog. And okay, the guy yeah, was yeah, like, living so the good life. A hundred percent. Like she's at the spa while I'm buying her food. And then the guy I was like, what are you up to today? I'm like, you know, every day waking up is just a mental health battle. He's like, for yep. real, for real. I hear you. Everyone's going through it, you know? Yo, yeah, that's so that's like such a mood, honestly. I mean, I honestly feel like this year has not been as bad as 2020. But then I also am not like a good reference point for that because we've all acclimated so much to just pure trauma. You know, yeah. like waves and waves. I have waves Stockholm waves. syndrome. I have Stockholm syndrome for quarantine. I like being at home. Like yeah. I like it a lot. But if now. there's not bad news, I'm like, well, then are we even in America? I don't even understand like where I belong if there's not bad news. You know what I'm saying? Like this whole episode, y'all, is just a stream of consciousness for a lot of things that have happened very yes. recently. But Prisca, did you see my Insta story from a couple days ago where no. they had the whole We Spa 
protests with oh, the, yes. with the trans activists. Yes. It was last Friday and then two weeks ago before that it was the first protest. So right. there's been two of them. Mm-hmm. It got so violent. Oh my God. Far right people showed up. LAPD showed up but they came out in like SWAT outfits. People were getting batted. There were smoke bombs. It was people were taking to the streets. There was complete disregard. Like for traffic. Like people were actively hurting each other. Oh my God. And it's like right outside like at my doorstep and um you know i talked to my dad you know because i you know our conversations have changed a lot through this whole ordeal and i said this is not the america you know Mm -hmm. and then my mom was like it will never go back to new jersey 1996 anymore like it's just way too different you know so crazy I, so wait, okay. Can you tell the people what the protest was about? Because I yes. don't know if everyone knows. Right. So I live across this. Now everybody knows where I live. <laughs> cool. But I live across from this um, Korean spa called We Spa, mm-hmm. and We Spa is very famous. You know, they have separate levels for male and female. You know, um, body spas. So mm-hmm. basically, what it is is everyone gets naked, and you're in a level full of naked. You know men or women, depending on your gender. So there was a trans woman who went to the female floor Mm. and, uh, a pro, uh, you know, there was a guest that basically recorded this viral Instagram video where she said there was a man with his dick out, you know, um, on the floor and that, you know, it's unlawful and it's uh, traumatic. And then, um, you know, we spa said we have to respect by order of the law in California, everyone's gender expression and gender identity. Um, and so good on we spa. Yes. I was thinking about it even more deeply. Yes. This is definitely something that we should all work towards, but for so long, it's like the world was binary. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. then it is a lot for people to, I I think it's a slow process of introducing that in a way that's not fearful because the whole reason why we have separate gender spaces is for a level of safety. Mm -hmm. And I could see why everyone is triggered. You know, I Mm -hmm. could see why everyone's angry. I want trans activism and trans acceptance to be all throughout. Yeah. But the thing is, is that like, you know, we spot was the battleground for Mm. this experience and also it happened again a couple weeks afterwards and there was a mother who said like her and her daughter you know her daughter was like younger and like freaked out because there was a person with a beard and a penis like actively smiling at them and like relishing in it and that was what they painted I think the conversation is complicated because for so long it's been done this way in a binary but you're also naked it's you're vulnerable you know like it's so not you're like, tr- like you're trying to be understanding of where people might be coming from, even though you don't agree. But because because the thing is, women, you know, th- why would we have our own floor of, you know, because it's a sense of safety. Like it's like being feared of like the male body. Right. And so, like, I think tra- trans women are women. But I think in terms of like the triggering of the physical body Mm. like that makes them react faster than they can process that this is a woman do you know what i'm saying so it takes time for people to educate and absorb that and because people are so angry they're doing it at a faster rate that's like angering the other party 
not they're not there's no discussion about it there's only anger right right right. there's no dialogue there's no No. debate and i think the thing like that we talk about often is that in the u.s like we've hypersexualized the human form in general a hundred percent so the naked body it becomes this it can be weaponized as a sexual object it can be um you know just considered dangerous without um like honestly any there's no autonomy over the body itself to define whether or not it's sexual or not you know and so i think in a lot of european countries like you know bathhouses are multi-gender like they're gender fluid like you know there's no male space or female space there's no binary there it's just you know all people's kind of bathing together in their Mm. nakedness and there is no fear and there is no danger right right so this is like i think like you're saying this is this is a product of conditioning and culture right in our culture we have sexualize the naked human form so much so that someone who doesn't have parts that you have um, should not be able to see the parts that you have. And so that's like the inherent issue here, which, which is conditioning and culture. And it had actually has nothing to do with actual danger, but it has to do with perceived danger and perceived mm-hmm. danger. Like we need to like, it's like, it's understandable and we should acknowledge the fact that people are feeling this way, but not let that be the kind of thing that we hold ourselves to or hold society to. It's something that we can alleviate and work through, which is, I think what you're saying. We, we don't need to stop here. The fear is understandable, like because of where you're, how you've been conditioned and the way your culture has always been, but it doesn't mean we, we need to stop there and just be, and, and, turning that fear into anger and like this very like seemingly righteous anger of like, we shouldn't have to live in this kind of fear. That's what's dangerous. That's what's creating this entire like huge snowball effect of violence towards each other. Look, if it were up to me, we all be naked all the fucking time. We all be Thank polyamorous. You. We'd all be just like <laughs> accepting of each other's bodies yep. without any fear. But yeah. because it's a patriarchal system, because there is a lot of fear introduced in the separation yes. of female and male assigned at birth bodies right right? Right. it's like this is from generations and decades and decades of conditioning that cannot be solved overnight through one one protest or one viral video you know so again that's something i'm angry about because like moral morally and ethically yes we should be accepting yes your gender expression but how do we do it at a collective level where it could be safe to discuss these fears in a more healthy way you know yeah this is a huge quandary for us as a as a western society right now you know many other societies but we are in a western society and this is a huge quandary for us it's difficult for all of us it's new to many of us um and it's even even just tackling the language and then the social structure it's a lot to ask from us as a society but doesn't mean that we shouldn't be aiming for it and working towards it and i think it requires compassion empathy and patience on both sides Mm -hmm. and that you know so i'm saying i have an idea of where i want society to be but i'm not gonna just judge people so harshly because we're not there yet you know so i think it's going to be a process and hopefully like we can learn to be better and better allies and it's it's terrible for people in the transgender community because it's so difficult and it's so traumatizing so i think we as allies really have to come in and and really like 
step in and 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 speak when we're afraid to and and speak up for the people that might not be able to. Yeah, I mean, they were at the bottom rung of the LGBTQIA community. And now they are finally getting visibility through pop culture and through, you know, movies and TV and like fun shows like Legendary, you know, but like um, it it just acceptance. It's it's just the world isn't ready yet, like full force. And so we need to be more mindful of that transitioning transitioning process. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. anyways, that was just a very heavy topic that I've been thinking about ever since the protests were happening because it's simply not black and white. It's simply not binary. There is so much gray area that needs to be worked through. It's such a complex situation and it's such a vulnerable situation for everybody involved. It's at the center of a city that is very progressive. It's in the middle of LA. So this is even more like disappointing. So what does this mean? What does this, what would this look like in, in Mississippi or Alabama? You know? Oh my gosh. I can't. Yeah, even right. imagine. I mean, even the fact that they revealed that Loki's character was supposed to be like non-binary and the internet just went up in flames over that as well. People like want to just boycott the show, et cetera, all of that. Um, that's happening. Well, Tom Hiddleston is gorgeous all throughout. So I mean, I would want him in any shape or form. I know. I doesn't <laughs> But, you know, goatees. So, you know, this is going to be a venting kind of episode. We're going to talk about everything we're angry about. But before we dive into more topics that we're angry about, Roxy, I do want to ask you, how are you feeling after our 23andMe episode? Ah, I thought that was really cool. I mean, like, I think the discovery day was a lot. And then like I yeah. told my family and they were like, Oh, that's cool. And then they didn't think much more of, of it outside really? of that. They didn't. Yeah. It just really, they're just like, Oh, I'm going to eat that. You know, we're, we're all bits and parts of like everything. So wow. I guess that makes sense. And so I, I don't feel like think there's it, stuff they're not telling you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, this isn't as deeply impactful to them as it did to me. But then again, I'm highly sensitive and, you know, I right. think very deeply. I feel very deeply just as you did. Yeah. So um, now they're not really talking about it anymore. My dad's like, yeah, I'll take a test. But like, when is it convenient? I'm like, well, let's see if we can even see each other this year because yeah. of the COVID situation. All right. again, like it's been, I think I'm angry also because I haven't seen my family in two years. Like this is That's fucking fair. insane. Like, yeah. It's fucking I'm, insane. And, we're and not I don't even know when closer. I can see them again. Like, I don't yeah. know when. And unless they came here to get the vaccine and they don't want to do that because plane tickets are like $15,000. Because <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. Uh, and then they would have to quarantine 21 days coming back. 21 days. Yeah. Taiwan is no joke. No joke. No Most joke. Most places it's like 10, 14 tops. Yep. Nope. Going for that A plus Taiwan. Singapore is also 21. Asia and a lot of Asian countries, that's 21 days. Are they really? Yeah. That's so crazy. China's also 21. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what we're not mad about. We had uh, our virginity episode come out a couple weeks ago. Roxy, how many downloads have we had so far? Well, bitch, hold on one second. Before okay. we get to that, how is about okay. how's about your family's 23 and me? How do they feel about like knowing you that they're know, Korean? <laughs> don't skip the question bitch they, honestly I was like my dad was like yeah I'm down to take a test I told my aunt Shanti who's my favorite aunt who lives in Bend Oregon and yeah. she was like lol you just made me not want to take a test because we're just all from China 
And I was like, what about the 1%? She's like, literally doesn't matter to me. Oh, yeah, like, see, okay. why? See, they re- like, you and I they were like, care. wow, like, yeah. jaw dropping, like, magical. Like, that 1% still means something to us. Yeah, you know? it totally does. It totally does. Because it, it kind of refutes our expectations of ourselves. And we have all these, like, we were talking about genetics can't, you can't hide things in, in genetics. Right. Like, it's all out there. Yeah. So we're like trying to find all these breadcrumbs to our history. And they're like, already let it go. Don't get, don't care. I like, really want to no know about to that it. one Korean ancestor. I could already paint yeah. like this romantic sort of like <laughs> red chamber story. You oh, know shoot. what I mean? Meeting in Busan. type of story. That's what so I was wild. thinking about. Um, so anyways, I'm going to fantasize about that for you. So Thank you're you. welcome. Thank you. Um, but and yes. Okay. Yeah. The virginity episode. Okay, Holy yes. fucking shit. Holy um, fucking shit. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like we were so blown away by how many people fucking tuned in on yeah. the very first day. Like, and it seems we, like people are sharing it with people. Oh like, because we don't know where it's coming from. It's awesome, and I honestly think I. I mean, I have to be honest. I was like, this is would be a really good topic, but I didn't know it would like be spread that far because right. I think no matter what gender we are, it's like if we do become sexually active we all have a virginity story right or like a fear of losing our virginity or a desire to lose our virginity story so hopefully that's like you know resonates with all of you but as of today tell the people 998 downloads in like just over a week that's amazing that's crazy for us like to put it into context, y'all, we only have like 300 followers on Instagram. So the fact that Where like are this the rest has of you follow us, I know. Uh, but the fact that it got almost a thousand downloads after about 10 days being out like this is this is crazy to us. And it really shows like, you know, that these conversations like we're not having them enough. So I, I want to challenge everyone to go out there and have a conversation about virginity with people, obviously in a safe space with consent while like, you know, when when you you feel that you're with people you trust but try to start these conversations y'all because we are not the only ones thinking it but we are like having these conversations publicly and it's just proof positive for all the people that have tuned in to listen that these conversations need to be had more that's all it is we're not special and also it's like you know through me and Prisca's journey I don't know how it is for you Prisca but Mm. like once I started having these difficult conversations with you on Two Horny Goats podcast it suddenly made it a lot easier for me to sort of present these topics to people in my everyday life interesting and then also, also, it's like whatever fear I had of them, whether it's judgment or, you know, resistance yeah. or anything like that, none of that ever happens. Like right. people are so accepting and willing yeah. to listen and willing to empathize because what you're doing is presenting such a vulnerable part of yourself. And yeah. that takes a lot of courage. And I think anybody who knows how to do that will surely appreciate it, you yeah. know? So if you like that episode, please share it with a friend. Um, And if you are liking what we're doing, please go write us a review or at least give us a little rating. It takes literally one second to tap the five star. Please, please make it five star. If it's four star, maybe don't tap yet. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But like give us that little star tap and write a little review because it really helps us a lot. It helps give us like, to be honest, some visibility um, on the platform, whichever platform it is. Um, And it's... It helps encourage us to keep doing what we're doing because some of the shit is scary, right, Rox? Of course. And if it is a four-star review that you are so keen to give us, you can instead just 
email us at hello at yes. twohornyghosts.com and be like, Prisca and Roxy, love y'all bitches. But honestly, here's some constructive criticism. Give us the, we are all about constructive yeah. criticism. <laughs> we yeah. are Capricorns. We want to get that A+. plus. We want to do our best. You know what I'm saying? So yes. we're here for it. We're here um, for it. Just make sure yes. you press five stars, though, even though you think four stars, just give us a constructive <laughs> review. Just write five yeah. and then email us about what we we'll can do to improve. We'll be very happy about that. Yes. But Rox, why do we want to do this episode? Well, bitch, I've been telling you through, I think it's been like a couple months since we talked about this, but, you know, Priscilla yeah. and I were lining out the rest of our season a few weeks yes. ago. And, um, you know, we always, we feed off each other so well. Like there's always <laughs> something like, you know, I'll say something, she'll spew something. I'm like, yeah. And then we could talk about this yeah. and go into that. Yeah. But I gotta be honest with you. I've been feeling angry for a very fucking long time. And Oof. Prisca knows this because I'm like I'm so pissed like I think this whole year is about me letting my anger come to the surface when I've been oppressing it for so long and also I think just by observing the shifting dynamics of our current world and seeing how humans as individuals and as collectives are reacting to said issues makes my blood boil totally totally and I think like you know as like like if you think of the stereotypical Asian female you think of someone who's demure and just takes it all in and just like you know says no we feel anger and even though most weeks we do try to present things in more cogent um, organized ways like today we are just gonna let it free flow and let you into our mind and we're gonna (laughs) kick it off what, ready Roxy <laughs> what are we gonna kick it off with okay I can't wait to talk about this one issue that came up but also it's like I just want to say even when Prisca's angry she's so fucking eloquent like for me I'm okay. just like <laughs> like feelings feelings and she's like yes but this really comes through like the days of conditioning and also like immigrant experience and I'm like what the fuck bitch but anyways um, it's okay pastor's so, kid training it's terrible bitch it's terrible bitch But this article or this woman, let's just say, this literal fucking Karen. Literal Karen. Let's call her Kanji Karen. Or (laughs) let's call her doesn't deserve Kanji Karen. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, babe. Doesn't deserve Kanji Karen. Hey, how about you set it up? Like, give us the backdrop. Uh, So, I, you know... I don't even know where to start. I don't even <laughs> want to start with her. I want to start with us. Kanji mm-hmm. is is basically rice porridge. And it comes from the Tamil word for like also pronounced kanji. And in kanji is referred to that in mostly Hong Kong English. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not necessarily used um, so much in all of Asia. But it's different takes on the word like zo or chuk mm-hmm. or juk. Um, so w- however you've heard it. It's a rice porridge that is ubiquitous in Asia, primarily as a breakfast item. Or if you're having diarrhea, you would eat this. If you're feeling ill, you would eat this. If you are feeling homesick, you would eat this. There's so many different uses. And what it is, is it, it, it was a way to um, break fast. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if you were if you were Buddhist or, or, you know, food wasn't always secure at that time. So if you were breaking some sort of fast you would eat this because it was gentle on your stomach. If you were mired in poverty, this was a way to make 
make it so you could feed 10 people with one cup of rice. So again, I don't want to start with her. I want to start with us because it's been around since the Zhao dynasty, at least. This is just like recorded, right? And Roxy and I have grown up eating this, as have all of our friends and family. This is a nourishing, beautiful, cultural staple that honestly, if you brought that to school, people would have laughed at you. Like, what is that weird soupy shit? Whatever. So this literal Karen um, decided to start a company. I don't even want to say its name, but whatever, saying that she has adjusted kanji for the American palate, making it more improved and like oh and, my God. And easier to receive for the American family. Fuck that shit. Fuck that. F- don't fucking appropriate our food. No. You know, and it's like improving kanji hello bitch if you ever had like even the most simplest like poor five cent kanji which is just the right with sweet potatoes with even just like a a swemme just like a little dried plum because you're poor like that brings you so it's comfort food yeah you know it it brings you comfort and nourishment even when you feel like you you are unable to have anything the fact that you're fucking improving it with your what your goji berries I'm sorry I'm so angry at this I don't even care about my language anymore because what what she's doing like I saw those pictures and it's like all this fancy shit that like a lot of people can't afford you know what I mean and it's blueberries bitch bitch and it's like okay you You basically you didn't do shit you did not do shit you took whatever goes on fucking oatmeal and you put it on fucking porridge like what the fuck like this is not improvement and then she has this so I went through like her website which has been cleansed of a lot of the like problematic um language as of today because of the bad press she got but she was like oh my god one of our biggest sellers is this savory chinese medicinal one and i was like how are you taking credit for this it's literally it was like goji berries it was like warming spices it was like whatever and i was like like it was like mushrooms and i was like are you fucking kidding me like this is not an improvement this is a ripoff this is a literal ripoff you're not doing anything different with it also any of your other ones with pineapple and blueberry and bullshit all the shit that you can put on oatmeal like are you fucking kidding me you didn't do shit it's like literally colonizing and gentrifying something that's existed that's ancient that's holistic that's like so deeply rooted in our dna and like our food culture and i do remember that um that one pho restaurant from a couple years ago, Prisca, the yep, one that was I also do. by a white owner who wanted I to improve do. upon like traditional pho and was and was teaching people how to eat pho. Yep. Like you got to put a lot of lime, and and to the <laughs> point that um I don't know, no me I not to brag, but Jenny Yang did yes. an amazing parody of it, and I was the sous chef in the video. So you yes. can check that out. <laughs> Look up Jenny Yang peanut butter, and you will see little sous chef Priscilla in we the background. Put, we should put the link inside the blog. <laughs> okay, we we'll add put the a link. link. I think that'll be so great. But it's like, do white people not learn? Do they not learn? And no, Rosie, they don't yes. learn. They don't fucking learn because and, like she yeah. was like, I got my like what is it my. Er- herbal like education from this Chinese thing from like New Mexico or something or or, or I'm just like honey bear (laughs) experts of Chinese medicine I was like oh my fucking god and uh, I think someone on Twitter really put it well she was like I hate these white people um who basically um act like they're archaeologists of cuisine and Mm -hmm. treat us as if we are dead bitch 
we are fucking alive. We are not dead. This is, I got it from Twitter. I'm sure you've seen it around. I'm not taking credit for that. But that hit me so fucking hard because I was like, that's right. We're not mystical. We're living. We're not like, you know, like these kind of like, ooh, exotic creatures. No, bitch, we're right in front of you. Okay. Like we're right in front of you. We've been eating this food for generations. And it's like, it's fine if you want to take something and run with it. Like I'm not hundred percent jazzed about it, but like, at least she's bringing this to people, but do not fucking take credit. And like, they're kind of walk back right now. It's like, okay, well now we're going to donate 1% of whatever proceeds yeah, that's to Asian not good justice. Enough, honey. It's like, thank the fucking immigrants who brought this food and like figured out a way to make it in the U S so that you could find it 25 years ago and add it to your diet. Like, I like how they're just like, around. yeah, we're going to, uh, you know, work with our all white board to make it better for the API community by donating yes. 1%. And we're going to try to make at least one Asian friend a year. <laughs> <laughs> one Asian year. It's like planting a tree. It's like, it's we're going to pick one Asian friend a year. We're going to plant her in the ground. I it's just want to say this. And, and you know, this is going to be on record, but like, please do better. Like, like there's been so many examples of this time and time over again. That makes the news. Please do not fucking start a business where you take the baseline of our food culture and say, you're going to improve it by design it it to the Western palate. Hello. I got to say Western palates fucking boring. Okay. Yeah. If it wasn't for our spices and all of these other like (laughs) interesting, like flavor profiles, like it would, it would just not be what it is. You no, know? and did you know, like, even something like if we think about ketchup originally before, like, um, the Industrial Revolution kind of, like, created this um, monolithic ketchup, yeah. ketchup was essentially, like, fish sauce. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, uh, it, w- it had oysters, sometimes dried oysters, dried fish, like, all these things, sometimes tomatoes, sometimes vegetables, like, whatever. And it became monolithic after the Industrial Revolution, just kind of showing what what this Western American palate will do to food that actually has flavor. They will dumb it down and they will put it in a bottle. And so do not do that with our culture. And okay, yes, we are very angry. And Roxy, one more thing. Karen's fucking porridge. First of all, she's saying (laughs) we made it easier to make. Have you made porridge? It is like literally the easiest thing. It's water and rice. (laughs) It's water and rice and add whatever the fuck is in your fridge. Like it's so... Oh my God, it's so simple and beautiful and elegant and, and every country in Asia, like it, it, it's, you know, there's a form of porridge in East Asia, Southeast Asia, India, Sri Lanka, every like country, like, and you're saying 2 billion, 3 billion people in the world are not improving this enough. I'm sorry, but Koreans have their own style in which a lot of the ingredients are cooked together. Mm-hmm. Vietnamese people have their own version of it. Like there's so many differences, like if a Japanese porridge versus a Chinese porridge is going to come with completely different toppings and different sides. So it's so beautiful. How much do you think she charges for one fucking pack of instant congee? Oh my God. Is this a real question? Yeah. I'm asking you, how much do you think? A pack? One pack. Uh, $14.95. No, no, no. Fucking gentrifying congee. No, I no 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 no. Honey bear, you must give credit where it's due, honey. Thousands and thousands of years of history. All these little enclaves of different congee origins. You know, thank you. It's it's it's. I'm sorry. Also, can I tell you this? Yeah, it's the. I would say okay, and please, people out there, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's the wrong way to cook congee. Obviously, right? But she's doing it in a slow cooker. 
kind of like how you maybe slow cook um, steel oats or whatever. She's doing it in a slow cooker. My aunt has done this where she made it in a slow cooker. We woke up in the morning. It breaks down the starches too much and you basically get water. You basically get starch water. No. So it's the wrong way to do it. You should like basically you want to like bring everything to a boil mix it around enough depending on the style some styles you mix a lot like hong kong style some styles you don't touch it like a lot of chinese styles you basically bring it up and then you bring the fire down and let it simmer for about 45 minutes to an hour you can go a little longer a little less in in korean um korean chuk it's more it's more like a risotto so you want to have it at a high for like half an hour and then a low for like half an hour, 40 minutes. So there's all these different techniques, but I would say doing it in a slow cooker overnight, you're at risk of going too far and breaking down all the starches. Yet another reason why this shit is problematic. This makes me really want to eat congee though. Like, yes. Like I, I want to like just get a bowl of that big fluffy glistening mm. you know yeah. just a nice big bowl because that's the way my mom used to make it for me yeah you know and then i would have like roll song in it like dried oh. pork floss in it and then i'll Oof. have some pickles some pickles with it like the pickled cucumbers and stuff like oh. that like I, and then i'll have like a swam mate in it and i yes. i used to like as a kid like you know, my parents always told me the elegant way to eat it would be to not mix the roll song like into yeah. the into the dough, right? <laughs> but I did it anyways, and because I always like and and it's kind of interesting because you know, growing up in America, you would watch all these cartoons and like Oliver Twist. Please, sir, can I have some more? And I would yeah. always imagine that they're eating porridge, like Chinese yeah. porridge, like anything that's Absolutely. soupy, like in those animations, in those cartoons. Because I love kanji so much like i would associate that with like what i'm eating with what they're eating yeah. and that's how i make that connection you yeah. know is through Absolutely. the food that i have you know and and it, it bridges us instead of making it feel as if like one is better than the other which is totally not true no but it's not the Prisca, way to look at it yeah like how do you like your so I love every form of dough that there is. It, I was actually thinking at one point of opening like a dough restaurant. I think that you should and that you should open it across <laughs> from the, this Karen's like this place of business. Maybe because I find that it is the most underappreciated. And even still, I feel like Karen is still underappreciating how beautiful this dish is, how mm -hmm. nurturing, how um, how like you were saying, bringing together it is. And, and I just have to say the the Mulan animated cartoon has some great kanji like scenes. oh I love like, these I great, know. like she spills kanji it's like it, it looks so beautiful in the animation I and I was like it. oh my god <laughs> yeah I want to eat it like I relate to that you know and so like one of my earliest memories of of eating so was like you know with my grandmother and mm -hmm. you know we always called it she fen which is like water oh rice, yeah she you know? fen, yeah um and so uh, you know my grandmother's like kind of from the Shanghai um region and so she always had it with like fried peanuts Ooh. and I just remember like she would pick up one peanut at a time and toss it in her mouth and just the sound and then eat like a bite of dough so I just remember the, it's my one of my earliest food memories and I just remember the crunch of the peanut in her mouth the slurp of the dough like and just the elegance with which she held her chopsticks picking up one peanut at a time. So even though I'm allergic to peanuts I always think of that moment but I love every type of dough but I think one of my favorite spots and like, like we can say this is an unsolicited pick as well. There's a spot in San Gabriel called Lou's Garden. Mhm. Mm 
I think they call it xiaolutzi in Chinese, and I've been going there for xiaoye or late night eats ever since I was a kid living in the 626. And it's basically a Taiwanese um, Taiwanese zhou restaurant where the, the you sit down and you get a pot of zhou pretty I think it's for free, or at least it was for free in the 90s. And it's um, sweet potato zhou, oh, which is yes, like so classic. Good. Then you go to the front and they have like xiao cai. They have the little like little stir fried dishes or cold dishes that you pick out at the front and you bring it back to your table. So everybody just grabs like a whole bowl of zhou, um, a little plate of all the stir fried or deep fried or cold dishes. And then you just eat it in conjunction. And I think that in and of itself, in its purity is is home to me. That is everything to me, you know, and, you know, having my grandma make it. Oh, I'm getting emotional. But having my grandma make something for me before school, before a big test, you know, um, it's such a close to the heart um, dish that just deserves more than being foreignized and over spiritualized as like something that Buddha would have ate, which literally was on her website. Okay, no. so it's like, yeah, fucking shut up, bitch. Yeah. You have no like, idea what you're not talking fucking about. Little Buddhas. No, yeah. it totally sounds like. Karen Christopher Columbus you know what I mean yeah and so I just want to say like I know there's a lot of outrage on the internet about this but beyond that like this feels like someone coming into your house and putting their name on your front door and being like no it's my house that's what it feels like that's how offensive and that's not even offensive how deeply hurtful it feels also it yeah, it's like if you could compare it to Cruella, because I love that movie, it's like as if you're Cruella DeVille, but you're like an immigrant and you're designing yes. something that's from your culture. But then like, yeah. you know, the head honcho, the Baroness comes and claims that it's like, oh, I did that. And then runs it as part of her collection, as part of her design. That's like, what it that's is. That's what it feels like. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And also like kanji itself is not a very popular food item to anybody outside of our community. It's not really like a big restaurant headline, you know, it's except not. for those of us who know about it. Like Prisca and I used to go to this place, rest in peace, called Kanchuk <sighs> in K-Town. Uh, seriously? R.I.P. Yeah. Like <sighs> such an amazing Korean kanji spot. And yeah. uh, it has all these different varieties. Like if you go in it, you're like, oh, my God, like you think it's just one thing. But no. all of the different experiences you can have abalone, spicy octopus, pine you know, nut, pine nut. Yeah. Sweet um, potato is pumpkin, the ultimate like everything. Bitch. I was like, Karen, you <laughs> fucking come and get one of those bunjuk dishes compared to one of your 1495 goji berry oatmeal yeah. kanji. You tell me which one is better. You know and what I mean? it's really not that yeah. hard to sub in rice for oatmeal, which is what she did, like I said. But since she did that, I just want to let you go tease know that I have been bastardizing oatmeal for years now. <laughs> <laughs> I have been saying for years that savory oatmeal was going to be the next big thing. I wasn't right, but I guess I kind of am because savory oatmeal was my answer to getting kanji when I couldn't get it. Right. So I would literally be dog sitting at you know these wonderful white people houses and all they would have was oatmeal like steel cut whatever so I would use chicken stock to cook the, cook the oatmeal throw some rotisserie chicken on top add a couple slices of ginger throw some green onions on there if I had some dried shallots throw that on there put some wonton chili oil or just chili oil on top and boom <laughs> you basically have kanji so I reverse engineered that so her doing this is as simplistic as what I do you should totally start up 
a website and an Instagram following. Just go for it. Yeah, just do it and just call it. Um, I, I mean, they Improving call it like, Oregon. They call it Oregon, Oregon, Oregon kanji, right? And you could just Oregon call board, it. Yeah. You could just call it Taipei oatmeal. <laughs> Like just as you hey, and Jenny hey, Yang did hey. that one video in response to that fuh person, that yeah. fuh fucker, right? And then yeah. now you could do it to this. I think it would be a fucking It would be hit. fucking lit. It would yeah, be lit. It would be amazing. But okay, is it my turn to get angry? Because I want to get your angry. Turn. Let's go. Okay, so I don't know about y'all's, and I don't know about you, Priska, but every day, like, I am so worried about the climate. Yes. Like, just the other day, or just a couple weeks ago, the ocean was on fire. Yeah. Like just casually oil oil spill sewage spill manhattan beach was shut down jesus yeah yeah because there was a sewage spill a toxic jesus. sewage spill that like spilled into the ocean I'm like good job you already knew that like the ocean was endangered but like yeah. now like corporations and like our government is still just doing really crazy shit not helping not, not helping. helping so i i'm just been listening to a lot of npr i've been listening to a lot of the daily and like listening to sort of the scientists talking about how the rate of the current heat waves and how hot our earth is getting was predicted to hit this like frequency in like the 2050s but it's actually happening now oh my god so it's happening at twice the rate oh my god so i i don't want to alarm anybody but also i'm alarming anybody and this is something that i feel i'm like super angry about every single day because in response to how the collective has dealt with the covid vaccine you know i am truly afraid of what it's going to be like because it just shows how humanity can't come together to respond to one common variable yeah no, it's true. Well, uh, another in conjunction with climate change. Yeah. I hate this. I hate companies that are greenwashing. Very upsetting. Yeah. And I hate that the onus is constantly put on consumers. Like, well, because you used one roll of plastic wrap per year in your household, you are contributing to X, Y, Z. Obviously, very good to use sustainable products. Very good to mm-hmm. find plastic alternatives. All of that, but the own like them putting the onus on the consumers, on people at home. Yeah, that was a marketing ploy to cover up because it's like if we're so busy feeling bad about ourselves and feeling and once again kicking into another consumer cycle of buying things. Yeah. Um, that are quote unquote more environmentally friendly, which again, often has to do with greenwashing for marketing purposes. We won't focus on the fact that these corporations are spilling into the ocean, causing these ocean fires, causing all of this, like using plastic on an, on an incomprehensible scale. Um, and, and they're putting it on us, the, the consumer who might use you know, just so many things like there are so many large changes that need to happen. And the fact that the onus is put on the consumers is exhausting. We need to just end capitalism and also how Jeff Bezos casually went into space like, like yesterday. Yeah, fuck <laughs> millionaire. That's another thing to be angry about. Fuck, fuck millionaire. billionaires like, he going could to space. literally fix COVID. He could literally yeah. fix COVID if he just gave away like one a millionth of his money he could yeah. fix world hunger he could you know fix him and richard branson 
Yes, I mean, I, I, I love how Richard Branson was like, the article was like, the richest man, you know, makes it to space or like whatever. I was like, is that really yeah. the fucking point? Like, think. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Well, did you hear Jeff Bezos's like interviews? He's like, I'm really curious how space is going to change me. Everybody who's gone to space says it's changed them. I'm wondering what will it do to me? So it's like, no fucking shit. This is the guy who's, you know, like for choosing to forget climate change and world hunger just to go on a dick measuring contest so little empathy like none like how you become so evil when you're super rich yeah you know and like his his ex-wife is like you know donating to nonprofits and like you know (laughs) donating all her money away and like trying to make change and like you know serve underserved communities you know and then like her ex-husband's like i'm gonna go to thank you all the amazon workers because of you i'm able to do this i'm gonna put a a dick on the moon basically (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i think i'm just like really 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 just like really pissed off by yeah just how everyone's handling everything (laughs) yes Agreed. I mean, Prisca, do you think, like, how are you feeling about this whole Delta variant rising and with the anti-vaxxer movement? And what is your prediction? Because, of course, we can't really predict anything that's about to happen. But since the reality is what it currently is now, what are some of your hopes and fears? I think that there is going to be some sort of shutdown, probably in the winter. And my fear is that nobody will adhere to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that we they figure out that booster shots do help because we don't currently know exactly how long the vaccine does protect us. So hopefully we get another round of booster shots so we have a little more confidence going into the holidays, going into early next year. Um, and my fear is that this is not the first variant that's going to come through. Um there might be a lot more that will again require another shutdown again, which Americans won't adhere to. So I do wonder if like the Biden administration is kind of um, being careful about when they ask for the next shutdown, because they, I think they know if they have too many like mini warnings, um, no one will take heed to the words from the white house. If it's like too constant, Yeah. And so I literally don't know, but it's really frustrating because I think we might get stuck in this cycle of shutting down, opening up, shutting down, opening up. And I wouldn't be as anxious about it if I thought that people would listen to it. How about you? Um, You know, I was listening to this whole thing about the booster shots, right? The issue is, is that our vaccine creating resources are only an X, like a certain amount. So the thing is, if these first world countries need the third booster or whatever a lot of third world countries and a lot of underdeveloped places still haven't gotten their first round of vaccines so if the first world is like we need these like third booster shots production will stop for the first round of vaccines to provide for the first world third booster shots so then by the time we get our third booster still a lot of the world hasn't even gotten their first round yet so ethically it is like i think how we've managed this as a globe um is it just it's just like all these different remnants of different branches of issues that keep coming up like as we try to solve whatever issue every solution is just temporary and is um just fixing the current now because it's become very clear that we cannot solve this at a larger rate or at a more permanent rate either we could just solve the most inconvenient inconvenience when it comes to COVID. 
I'm, I, I was feeling more hopeful. I'm feeling a lot less hopeful. I think the Delta variant is literally just killing off people that haven't been vaccinated because it's more transmissible. Um, and speaking of like vaccine hesitancy or availability, did you know that Tokyo, only 22% of the population has been vaccinated? What? That's like nothing. Actually, I don't know if that's Japan or if it's Tokyo, but only 22% of the population has been vaccinated and they declared a state of emergency for the country, but they're still moving forward with the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Oh my God. Isn't that insane? So the world is ending. The world is ending and and like kind of no one cares as long as they recoup the funds. Isn't that fucked up? And it's like kind of not even up to Japan. Yeah, it just goes back into like money mongering right yeah and so 90 people involved with the olympic games have already tested positive including one of the gymnastics um u.s gymnastic team alternates she tested positive oh my god oh yeah balls it's it's just ridiculous i think how do you feel about the tokyo games like i love gymnastics i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna like boycott watching it because i want to see simone biles like finish clinching her title of greatest of all time but I feel really conflicted about it. I, um, ever since the pandemic happened, it's been very, very, very hard for me to get behind major events. It's been very hard for me to get behind award ceremonies. It's been very hard for me to get behind these big, you know, institutional landmark events. You know, I know they're a part of our history. I know that, but it just feels like everybody just wants to pretend like everything's okay. Mm. And disregard the bigger problem, which is A, our earth, right? And Mm -hmm. B, our people. Without our earth, our people can't survive. But it's like, you know, I think everyone's just really over it. And so I think all of this just ties together. Like, I love the Olympics too, but it's been very hard for me to get behind it because I see all this controversy coming up as well, which I know you're also going to be talking about, like, the Paralympics, you know, Paralympics, as well. big one. Yeah, you but know? even just with the Olympics. Like, yeah. I just think, like, ethically and morally, yeah. you know, um, like, it's why? like, like Shikari <laughs> Richardson, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, like just, just kicking her out. You know, like for using fucking marijuana after she found out her mother died. Like, Jesus, are you kidding me? It's like, Like, I get it. She knows the rules, blah, blah, blah. I know like all of the like arguments and it is like the IOC's like decision and they, you know, encompass a lot more countries and all the countries in the world almost. So I like understand that it's like this is not even a technicality. This is just like the rules are the rules, but it's like then the rules should change. You know what I mean? This is like. This is, it's just such a waste. Do you, do you feel like there's more controversy surrounding the Tokyo Olympics this year than any other Olympics before? No, because I think Russia was really, remember Russia was really bad. Mm. um, And so was Rio. There was a lot of controversy for both of them, but this one, it's less so like, yeah, obviously there's controversy, which I think like anyway, anyhow, people love to stir up, but the hurdles that they have are insane. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and they've literally created anti-sex beds so that they would encourage like athletes not to sleep with each other, which like, let's just think about this really quick. Like if you, if, if like you are Brad Pitt from the 90s and um <laughs> you know like with who like who who's like the hottest with like gal gadot from like 2014 uh-huh. if you are these two people like you're gonna find a way to fuck 
You know what I mean? There's no way you're, oh my God, the bed, we can't do it. You're going to find a way to fuck. Like there's so many positions in which you do not need a bed. So it's just kind of ridiculous. Also, a lot of the stuff we, is just ridiculous. Can we just talk about that for a second too? Like, yes. Uh, oh, are you picturing it too? What's so wrong with sex? Well, they don't want to encourage athletes to basically like socialize with each other. Um, oh, because of COVID. Because of COVID. Yeah. Oh, I see. So it's their COVID oh, kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hello. If if Gal Gadot or Brad Pitt from those times ever approached me, I'm sure as hell gonna take off my pants. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you're not giving us condoms anymore. We're gonna still gonna fuck. Like, like people are gonna find a way. I actually was um, watching porn the other day, and it's been interesting, Cute. like seeing some Asian porn come up, but like in like there's Chinese porn where the actresses and actors are all wearing masks like like COVID like 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 medical masks. oh 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 like COVID masks COVID oh like masks. a N95 yes. yeah 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 like they're, <laughs> they're still doing it and performing but like they're not kissing you know they're just oh my god but but, but it's amazing because I'm like they're implementing these health measures yeah. you know, like that's kind of hot I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I'm, I'm like safety is very sexy safety first and speaking of safety first let's talk about the Paralympics really quick okay. they're not caring for their athletes with needs tell me more specifically becca myers kind of came forward this week Mm -hmm. she's a deaf and um visually impaired swimmer um basically she won so many medals in rio in 2016 she won um i think world champs in 2018 she's an amazing swimmer she's gonna go and fucking kick ass this might be her Mm -hmm. last olympics she decided to drop out of the games because she wasn't going to be provided with a personal care assistant what? So imagine this. She's Wait, she deaf doesn't and have she's a blind. personal care assistant. Why? They're not allowed to go because of COVID restrictions. No, no, yeah. no, 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 so no, 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 no. Basically, during the Rio games, um, I, I think she, her sight, her eyesight was better at the time, but she was deaf, um, but her eyesight was going. So she didn't have a personal care assistant. Um, her family was like staying at a nearby hotel um, and she literally had a panic attack right before one of the big competitions um, because she couldn't find the dining room. And when she got to the dining room, she couldn't figure out what was what because she was visually impaired and couldn't ask people for it. Right. So So there's all these issues. This is so So fucking fucked. fucked. Yeah. Yeah. 100% super fucked. And um, she basically said, she said, so basically for these games, she was like, I have to drop out because there's only one personal care assistant, um, not, not even um, people that have gotten special training to work with blind and deaf people. Um, But there's eight visually impaired athletes. And there's like 30 plus athletes who are in the Paralympics and there's one PCA for the team. What? One. One personal care assistant. No. So she she kind of the reasons that she she gave for, for leaving was like, what happens if there's an emergency in the middle of the night? What if we need to be moved from one venue to another quickly? Masks and distancing have made it incredibly difficult for me to make out what people are doing or saying. If I don't have someone I can trust, how can I trust that I'll be safe? They have disabilities. They need somebody to help yeah. them navigate like this crazy ass thing. I understand COVID, but this is ridiculous. It pisses me off. It's it's a it's a, I, I hope I don't even I can't even say this is an oversight. This is a mistake. This is a mistake. This is completely wrong. And so the Olympics are a sham. <laughs> the Olympics are a fucking sham. It's insane. Uh, yeah. So I think that all of our anger is very justified <laughs> today, Prisca, because a I lot of the so. I think a lot of this is just like I think really grounded by the morals and ethics of these yeah. topics that we're discussing. You know, yeah. because at what point do people think 
yeah, like this is okay. Like I'm going to like yeah. having absolutely no empathy for the people who need certain things or like who, people who are grieving, right? And people representing our countries, you know? Exactly. And what pisses me off is if you look at all the commercials, they're using all these Paralympic athletes to tell heartwarming stories about swimmers who have had their legs amputated or swimmers born without arms or, you know, whatever it is, they're using them to pull out your heartstrings. But if you look beyond that, it's like they're not even they're not even respecting and providing what these athletes need. No, they're not giving them any support. No. And it's it's that's not at bullshit. All. But anyways, you know, that that's that, that I think that really covers that's about an an hour of anger. So, you know, good yeah. let us know how you're feeling about like what we've been talking about today. What has yes. pissed you off recently? Because we also want to know that as, as well. And you can always write to us. Hello at twohornyghosts.com or find us on Instagram and DM us at twohornygoats. Two horny goats. And yeah, I, I would say hopefully listening to this makes you feel less alone. So please do not be afraid to vent because it will make us feel less alone. I know. But then we also have some sprinkling of goodness, right? We're okay. definitely not just going to go into a vortex of like dark, angry no. shit. We are done complaining. We're done the complaining. complaining is done. So for now we have some. <gasps> what do we have? Oh, my God. We have some notes from our goatee. Oh, my God. What? Did they send them to hello at twohornygoats.com? Remember, if you do write us, we will share what you've wrote to us. And so we want to give a big shout out. Thank you to Rena and Susan for, you know, writing to us. And uh, it just means so much to Prisca and I, like, to know, like, uh, to share your stories with us because it just makes us feel the community, you know? Yes! This is from Susan. And you know Susan, I love Susan. Susan Ah! Kim! And by the way, I just want to say Susan's an incredible singer, you know, and she's an amazing flutist. Oh, my gosh. She's all around. Like, we were really, really, really close back at UCI. We did AFIO together. You know, holla, Susan. I miss you, baby. Wow, Susan, I am your biggest fan. We do not deserve you. Um, And let me just dive in really quick. We did write back to Susan. So, Susan, if you see that in your inbox, happy to continue the conversation. But Susan basically said, I wanted to tell you how much I enjoy listening to the podcast. I wasn't planning on sending an email but after crying to my therapist about how two horny goats made me feel seen (laughs) this weekend, I felt like I should. Oh my God, (laughs) already. Um, I'm crying. Um, Perska, I've never met you, but I relate so much to you and your story. Um, Someone who've left Christianity in college. I've been working my therapist to reclaim my identity and what my true wants and desires are. Because I was conditioned to believe I was not deserving of wants or worthy of pleasure, I have really struggled with understanding and communicating what I really want. Ooh, girl! I've often felt very isolated and behind in this and have beaten myself up for not knowing who I am at 32 years old. Listening to you speak of your experiences as a PK and how you've evolved to be the person you are today is so meaningful to me. I feel seen and unalone. <laughs> Thank you, Suze. <laughs> Roxy! I love you. That is, um, honestly, Susan, thank you so much for writing in. Um, this means so much to me. I, and Roxy, like, it means so much to both of us. But just the fact that, like, sometimes when I'm telling PK stories, I almost feel like maybe this didn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. Um, because when I interact with my parents or other people, elders from the church, a lot of times, like you're made to feel like maybe I'm the crazy one. And it's like this, I don't think it's like 
directive gaslighting, but it's kind of a communal whitewashing of things, a communal painting over of your experiences as maybe not having been as bad as it was. And so even just you writing this, it's affirmation for me as well. And it's confirmation of what I've been through, you know? And, um, I think a lot of us grew up in this paradigm and, just felt ashamed of our bodies. And even now, if I wear a low cut top, I, I can go into a shame spiral because the voices in my head of, of my parents or my teachers when I was young, it was like, oh, you're, you're being basically leaving breadcrumbs for the, for Satan to, to follow. You know what I mean? For temptation to happen. Um, and even something as that, so reclaiming kind of your worthiness of pleasure and your understanding of self and communication with whatever partners, um, or partner you have, That is, I just want to affirm you, that is a fucking struggle. And it's something my husband and I, we're both PKs. We struggle with it all the time. Like Roxy knows, like we, like we each have sexual hangups that even after entering into marriage followed us there because these scars are not immediately evaporated once you get married. You know what I'm saying? They linger and the, the, the long reaching effects are still with us today. And we've been married now two and a half years. We've been together eight years. Like I, and I don't see it fixing itself anytime soon. You know, all I know is that we're on this journey of healing. So there's no rushing ahead. There's no falling behind. There is only just the fact that we're in it and we're dealing with it all together and being in awareness of other people just like us is super helpful. So Thanks for sharing with us, Susan. Love you, Susan. Love you. Okay, so then the next note is from Rena. What's up, Rena? What's up, Rena? Do you know Rena? I don't. Oh my god, this is so exciting! It's someone we know. both don't know, it's actually, I, and yeah. it's like actually like it's a, not like a relative. <laughs> sometimes for the Mom? longest time, I was just like, is it just like our friends and family listening to the podcast? So, Rena, thank you so much for writing in. So, I'm going to share you. a little excerpt um, of her note, and uh, Rena says to the wonderful Roxy and Prisca, <laughs> "That's us." <laughs> Um, I cannot even put into words how much I adore your show. Thank you. Oh, I've don't. only heard two episodes so far. What even is virginity? That's a great hey one. Me love you long time. Love that one. Also good. But I also feel so unalone and understood. Thank you so much, Rena. I really appreciated the mention of asexuality as someone on that spectrum who struggled to swim the sea of sex grace culture while mm-hmm. identifying as an East Asian female who is sexualized so heavily. To respond to your question of how asexuals build intimate relationships, my experience personally has been a foundation of deep conversation and shared creative projects, including gardening, plus other forms of physical touch like hugs and cuddling. I'm not a sex-repulsed asexual, so I've also chosen to have sex sometimes since my partner is decidedly not asexual, but whether it's from disinterest or trauma, I still have to disassociate to enjoy it all. And I also want to share this next part because mm. it connects to, you know, Prisca's past history as well. Yeah. Also wanted to say that my great grandfather was also beaten to death in a public denouncement during the Cultural Revolution in Beijing for being a professor and mm. from a land owning family. Of course, my dad just threw that out there during a casual conversation <laughs> one day, like Always. after they begged a stranger to retrieve his body and secretly buried it somewhere along the road. Our whole family scattered in fear and didn't meet again for decades. Casual. Ooh, right, Prisca? Just wow. like your whole 
oh, what's up? Like thing. Exactly. Yeah. Just like throwing it in the chat. Oh my goodness, Rena. That's it, freaking it's crazy. Intense. And then so she ends it by saying, it was unexpectedly comforting to hear you, Prisca, mentioning your great grandfather. So I appreciate it. Even though I don't know mm. how to process this kind of long lost grief. Oh, us either, Rena. Us either. We are unable to process this kind of grief. It's so intergenerational, right? Yeah. Thank you so much also for sharing about your, um, your, you know, the asexual experience. Because yeah. for me, I don't really have a lot of friends who identify as aces. And I know right. there's a lot of like different, you know, sub-identifications sub along with that, like gray sexuals, right. you know, aromantic gray sexuals. And I, I'm just trying to educate myself even more so on that specific wow. spectrum. So thank you so much for that. Um, and it helps us, you know, get a better gauge of like what different types of intimacy, you know, is sort of like within that realm because yeah. so much of it is just emphasized on these core bullet points so much right. in our media and in our society. So I think with our experiences, what we can really do is amplify the little things every single day that mean just as much and bringing that to the surface mm. and normalizing it as well. So thank you yeah. so much. We hope that you continue to enjoy our episodes and that yeah. you continue to tell us what you think. And also yeah, everybody, oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. I just wanted to also say thank yeah. you for educating us because we put we posed that question, I think, mm -hmm. in an episode and you were like, I don't know how asexual couples are are, are handling this and, and, you know, finding intimacy. But even just having this little snippet and we hope, you know, we get more responses from you, Rena, even just having this little snippet is so educational for us and affirming and um re also like showing the limits of our experience and our knowledge you know so thank you for that sorry go ahead no Rose. i just wanted to ask for donations that was my next oh thing. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean susan rita wrote us so they don't have to donate but like you know, i'm just kidding but yes. like also um you know uh, to continue doing the work that prisca and i do because next week is going to be our finale <gasps> episode finale! for season two um it's so, a finale. Yeah, it's it's going to be, you know, exciting, but also we're going to go away for a few months before we come back with yes. season three. So this is just a gentle and kind reminder that you, yeah. if you are enjoying our content, if you want us to continue to sort of like dive deep into the work we do, I mean, we're going to do it regardless. It doesn't matter. Yes. But still, it would be nice if you want to. If you want to. Should you want to. Just to help us out. And I just want to, in the process, mm. a little peer pressure never hurt nobody. <laughs> um, we want to thank Quincy, um, Quincy, CS for donating to us and Kelly Chen. Oh, um, thank you. Really appreciate. Yeah, because you don't even know how much it really, really, really means to us. Like, because we are self-funding all of this. We are doing it just the two of us and just the um, two of us. Just the two of us. <laughs> um, and you know, every little donation really helps us out. Um, and it just helps us keep doing what we're doing like we're definitely again not going on luxurious like massages with this money but also if you want to take me or prisca <laughs> oh you know prisca what we should do we should do this what? thing where it's like take us out on a date but like <gasps> it could be together or separate you know ah! i think that'll be okay. fun would any of you want to date me <laughs> <laughs> 
if you want to, if you, okay, so obviously we're Capricorns. We're very good with money. We're very like transparent about it. We've told you what our purchases were, which is mostly like website upkeep, um, hosting fees and a microphone and also sending a couple of gifts, gifts to our guests, uh, which have only been three. So it's really not been a lot. But if you specifically want to buy us a coffee, then just put that in your note um, on the PayPal. If you want to, you know, buy us dinner, you know, we, we will honor whatever you want intended for your funds. Um, nothing sexual at this time. We're going to start an OnlyFans for that. Oh. But um, <laughs> just kidding. Melissa, do for season three. I know. I will show one boob if... I, I mean, I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. For sure, for sure. We're going to show all our parts. Um, but yeah, we just really appreciate everyone who's donated. And if you feel that we are offering something of worth, please send us a little donation. Um, we, we will really, 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 really appreciate it. it. Or really, a five-star really, review. Really, really okay, appre- thank really, you. Really appreciate it. Wait, Roxy, did you hear that? <gasps> I think, <gasps> no, I think it's time for... Okay, well, Friska, I have been. I just watched Black Widow. That's not my pick. Okay, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. She's fine. The stunts were really great. Um, but I am like obsessed with Florence Pugh. I mean, her face is like very make out. A bull. Yes. Make out with a bull. Also, it's like she knows she was in Midsommar and she was in, you know, she basically is this chameleon who's an incredible actress. And I actually watched a movie. I know you've seen this movie, too, like uh, Lady Macbeth. And um, she was 19 when she did this movie. Amazing. Dark as fuck. Like a dark as fuck movie. It's so good. It's so good. Like when they have the bodies propped up in the caskets. And people stand like and take photos with them or whatever. Spoiler that was, alert. I, oh, oh, I mean, well, you don't know who dies, but that imagery was the fucking creepiest shit that I'd seen in a really long time in cinema. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some things you see and you never forget it. I really love the movie. It really gripped me from the beginning and it sort of like shows her descent into uh, the point of no return madness yeah and and uh it's very erotic it's very and, and just i just have so much admiration for such a young actress who's willing to yes. tackle on such a, a such a heavy complicated character you know Oof, as like one yes. of her first like lead debut parts and yeah. uh you know I, I, the reason why i watched it was because ari aster was uh talking having an interview about midsummer and then he said i watched you know florence pew in this movie and i was so struck by her and i wanted to talk to her and i was like oh yeah oh my god you know so underrated so underrated that movie she's gonna be like I, she reminds me of a young kate winslet i could see that i could definitely see yeah. that I am obsessed with her. Yeah. And the sound design in that movie is amazing. Like just all the fastening of clothing, the steps on the creaky wood. You feel like you're there. You feel like you're in that house. Yeah. A hundred percent. I really, and and when people are eating all the the mouth noises, but would probably trigger your misophonia. Um, so maybe like, I also, so great, I was really also good. low key, like really interested in that kind of like rustic British food, yes. like the rotisserie chicken oh, with like the I potatoes, you know what I'm saying? Potatoes, the potatoes yeah. and the wine. <laughs> um, but I recommend this movie. Please go watch it. It is a masterpiece in, uh, in acting. It's like a, th- it's like a play. It's so good. It's so intense and really raw. My second pick is, 
is, uh, I mean, a lot of people probably already read this book, but I'm sort of late to the game. Uh, Dia Frampton, my friend, recommended this book to me. And uh, it's called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I really enjoyed it. It felt very fantastical. It was like a mix of like Harry Potter, but like darker yeah. and more adult. You've read this book too. Yeah, I read the book as well. Beth Schumann, um, a friend of mine, my old neighbors, um, she sent it to me and it was really special. And I think she, you know, she's in her 70s now. Yeah. And she was saying reading it in her 70s really like, because she's kind of thinking about all her decisions and wondering what could have happened at different points in her, her life if she had made a different decision. So I think she's reading this book from a very different perspective than say we are. You know what I'm saying? But what was that? What was that cartoon? Back in the 90s that had to do with like books and like the library. Do you remember this? It was kind of like scary. Shit. I'm like wondering. Oh, the page master. The page with, master. Um, the page master. That shit was fucking scary. I've actually um, always seen the page master at Blockbuster and I never rented it. Oh my God. Maybe we should watch we it should together. Watch it. I think it's Macaulay Culkin. Yes. Because you just, I just remembered like the cover of him looking. There's yes. like a candle, right? He looks like Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks like Harry Potter. <laughs> he looks like totally Harry Potter. But yeah. like for those of you who don't know the story, it basically talks about um, this character who is very suicidal, depressive, and mm-hmm. has a lot of regrets in her life, and ruminates on the fact that she made all the wrong decisions leading her up to this point where she contemplates right. suicide, and so it takes her to this like midnight library where the library has all these books that would show her a different life should she make like a different decision you know up to that point in her life and I I think we all go through this where um, I don't know where you were mentally or personally Prisca when you read this book but um, you know I don't really have that many regrets in my life but I'm always thinking Mm. about those people who told me that they have you know a lot of regrets and um I think the book was really healing to just show that nothing is ever perfect. There's never a right or wrong decision. Yeah. It's always a push and pull no matter what, you know, and you always bring yourself to it. The moral of it is kind of like groundedness, presentness, enjoying what is here and now. Right. Like, yeah. And, and as difficult as that is, because you and I have really strong imaginations, and I, I think a lot of our listeners do as well, we can imagine and project all these ideas of what we wanted our lives to look like um, upon this imagined future. But we're here, we're now, and it's very human to hope and imagine and regret. But at the end of the day, it's like satisfaction with where we are exactly where we are now I think brings the most happiness and, and taps into the most joy. A hundred percent. All right, Prisca, what are yours? Okay. Well, I'm kind of late to the game for both of these, but I have to say I binged Ted Lasso in about a day and a half. (laughs) So Abe and I, I don't know if you guys have watched it. It's on Apple TV plus. And because like I bought like an Apple product, I got it for free for a year. Um, so woohoo. Um, so we're watching Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis. Um, and it is incredible. It's basically about, um, this guy, Ted Lasso, who was a football coach, um, 
and he basically takes a job as a football coach in but in in the UK and you know how serious they are about their football in the UK um, so he basically knows nothing about soccer um, and he goes there and with kind of positive attitude and positive thinking and smart coaching and not like not brute coaching not brutally like pushing people towards something but kind of using psychology and positivity and encouragement um, to bring this team together and also bring the town together so it's a really feel-good show and I think it's just so necessary in this fucking shithole of a time that I highly recommend it. Second one is Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. Um, just a really great study on what it feels like to be a minority, um, what it feels like to be creating work as a minority, but not wanting to be seen as a minority. Just a really beautiful breakdown of what world like she wants to see what world is actually here cutting through this artifice of what an Asian body can be so I think it's really beautiful it's very deep it's pretty heady um, but it's an easy read so it's not like it's not laborious to get through it's just very very um it's it, it's very conceptual I would say that's also on my list I'm also late to the game on minor feelings but that's been on my list for a very long time as well it's beautiful it's really beautiful um and Roxy we better go because we're gonna be late for school okay let's go to school let's go to school ah! let's speak Taiwanese Okay, everybody, this is going to be a very simple one. This is going to be a very simple lesson, um, you know, in school, in class today. So we were talking about that porridge lady, yeah? So I'm just oh, going to yeah. teach you how to say it. Wait, just, who is she? <laughs> uh, Oregon Kanji Karen. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so uh, I bet she doesn't know how to say uh, porridge in Taiwanese. So I'm pretty sure she don't. So basically, you know, we, we talked about like many different ways that you could say kanji, right? We have Fan in Mandarin. We have Zhou mm-hmm. also in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. We have Juke right korean yeah um and in taiwanese it's called moe 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 and in hokkien it's it's be be yeah so 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 like what if we open a porridge shop and it's just called be and so like it's hit me baby one more time <laughs> like it's funny because like my my ex-boyfriend his uh his mom's side is you know Malaysian uh so oh. Burmese Burmese and and so they they speak Hokkien as well so there are things that we oh, tie with our Taiwanese as well but it, oh, we, cool. we had a conflict when we were talking about kanji because I say moe, which is how Taiwanese moe. people say it. And he's uh-huh. like, it's be. And I'm like, it's not. And then we got into like this whole argument about it. Right. <laughs> so um, oh, boy. even in Hokkien, like which is a common dialect that ties us together from different regions, we have different distinctions on like yeah. certain things. So for me, so, like being a, someone from Tainan where my family comes from the south, my favorite thing to eat for Taiwan Xiaozi, you know, the vendor stands um, in the south, yeah. is um, ki mue, which is fish kanji. <gasps> Ooh, because south of Taiwan, yeah. lots of seafood, y'all. Mackerel kanji. Mackerel kanji. Bitch, how's the mackerel prepared? Oh, Can you tell me? Oh my me? gosh, I don't even know. Priska, next time you come with me like yeah. to the south... He oh, went, we are gonna go on an adventure. He went, you will fucking he die. Went. Yeah, because oh it's not God. so much the really gelatinous sort of like mushy type kanji you have. It's actually more of a broth. 
with rice okay. inside, and the broth is like a yuan tang sort of like <gasps> with with um you know tiny tiny celery with like yes. cilantro and white pepper. Oh my god! And then they oh have the god. mackerel pieces in it, very tasty fish. And then you put the white pepper inside the soup with the mackerel with the with the rice and the broth, and it's like you people Holy line shit. up for that shit. Like famous Taiwanese oh himwe. Oh my god! Okay, we have to go get that. Um, please donate to our Taiwan trip fund <laughs> you can go to twohundredgoats.com and hit donate you're just like all, our, all of our listeners like why the fuck are they pushing donating so hard uh, we it's want because to go we, to want, we want to go to Taiwan to do a new <laughs> series in Taiwan um, yes also thank you to Quincy for um, alerting us about a broken donate link on our website we have fixed it so now you have no excuses y'all you can donate <laughs> <laughs> so we love all of you I uh, hope uh, stay angry you know as they yes, do say uh, thank you uh, uh, stay angry and I know. Stay, stay horny angry, stay horny <laughs> thank you horny. angry Asian man for that very apt <laughs> yeah. um, slogan because we need it <laughs> let's, let's, let's collab, collab. <laughs> oh my god angry Asian man and two horny goats but yes we love y'all um, and please don't forget to have a horny week our lovely goatees and remember stay, stay horny, horny. <laughs> time is of the essence love only lasts for a second we're like the vapors of the air we last for a moment and then we disappear I said, hold, hold on tight Because it's gonna be a crazy ride I said, hold on tight, hold on tight To the people you love, to the people you love I come from nowhere, I'm bound to get somewhere I pack my memories, and with me I carry them Always in my heart, I'm singing always I'm singing always in my, 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 in my, in my, in my. What a sweet romance. Oh, how I fancy that. It's like a spoon.
I'm singing always in my heart. I'm singing always in my mind. podcast is hosted by Roxy and Prisca. Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie N. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. Bye! Bye. Bye. Bye.